0: And Welcome back. Today's show,
1: we have an integrative health doctor, and she has got over 30 years of practice in integrative oncology and working with chronic illness. She uses different modalities, including naturopath medicine classic homeopathy, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, clinical nutrition, and functional medicine. She partners her skill set and experience with your knowledge of your body to really help you truly heal. She believes lasting healing occurs when we dig in deep to know what's going on inside of our bodies. She is specializing in fertility, cancer, and specifically breast cancer, and I can't wait to dig into her wealth of knowledge for us. Everybody, please help me introduce Carol Laurie. Welcome to the show. I'm so honored and happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. I just loved getting our um, time together before we got started and learning how you really have some area of expertise for us women, especially in infertility, especially older women, and then going into breast cancer. But they all kind of tie together with the hormones. Let's talk about infertility And what you have found in your practice, and I want to get kind of more in specific into toxins, and maybe it's going to start somewhere else and lead into that, but talk about what you're seeing as kind of some of the leading causes for infertility in women. Well, I love to talk about this topic.
2: I was a quote-unquote older mom. I had (laughs) waited many years uh, until I met my husband, and then... I had my child when i was uh, she was born in March, and I turned um forty two or forty three that July. So it was really up there. But I think this is the issue. Women are waiting longer to have children. Yes. Um, we have our careers, we're busy, and with the augmentation of fertility, uh, clinics, there's women don't feel quote unquote the pressure or the rush. But what I've seen, and this has to do with toxins, is that by the time women are ready, all those years that we uh, meticulously used birth control, you think that the minute you stop using birth control, you're going to get pregnant. And unfortunately, that is not always the case. Sure. So after several months, then you come. You think, is it me? Is it my husband? And you know what's going on? And you start investigating. And oftentimes I see in my clinical practice, women come in and they've been to their gynecologist and they're told, quote, everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. Right. They say to me, why can't I get pregnant? And so I I love to tell this story. Here is a perfect example of 35 year old woman who had, she had polycystic ovarian syndrome, but that wasn't really why she couldn't get pregnant. She came into my office and she smelled of perfume. And I have a scent-free office because women are and men are also very sensitive to these smells that's a toxin, right? The right non-organic fragrances are toxins. And so I said to her, so can you tell me about your house? And she said, Oh, I love fragrance. So she had those plugins in the wall. She had that, she used that toxic stuff, which I'm not going to say the name, which she, you know, you see the advertisement, your God forbid, your sofa stinks. So you have to spray these toxins on your sofa (laughs) and then they get on your skin and they're huge estrogen disruptors and hormone disruptors. So I said to her, so do me a favor when you go home tonight, I would like you to take every single item that you're using in your laundry, in your personal care products, in your home for scents, and stick them on the table and take a picture. 29 items. Oh. That does
1: not surprise me.
2: <laughs> right. 29 items that were impacting this woman's fertility, that were causing severe estrogen disruptors, that were filled with toxins.
1: Would and you call that bioaccumulation at its yes. max? <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. So she had to throw out her sofa and start over because you couldn't detox that sofa from that horrible chemical junk that she had been spraying on it. And she had to wash the linens and wash the drapes and everything had to be eco washed.
1: And we had to do a reset, start over. Start over. What is it exactly in those... um, products. I mean, you didn't mention what the products were, but we get the idea. Those things that are scenting the air, scenting our products. Um, What is it in there that's causing those uh, hormone disruptions for us? So especially
2: scents, scents get into our body through our nose and then travel up to the pituitary gland. And that is the mistress organ or the director of oral, all our hormone releasing and what happens in general with these ch- products and i'm not going to go into specific chemicals cuz that's not my area of expertise okay. but let me give you an example of what happens cuz i am an expert in what happens there you so go so the definition of estrogen disruptor is that it takes a spot where your healthy estrogen would normally like park its car to plug in to be broken down and for, and then be able to be excreted through your body. Okay? So what happens when the estrogen is broken down it goes like in the parking garage looking to bind to a receptor so it can be excreted and the spots already taken up by one of these look alike hormone look alike estrogen disruptors which look like the hormone estrogen Right. So what happens then is the estrogen goes, well, I want to be excreted, but my spot's already taken. What am I going to do? And the body goes, sorry, you, you know, you're just going to have to hang out here. And then the estrogen turns into a non-healthy estrogen. And that leads to hormone disruption or estrogen, dis, um, estrogen dominance. And the most extreme version of that, of course, is it contributes to breast cancer because our hormones are you know, a continuum. And our hormonal health is part of our overall health. It's not like a separate part. Oh, I'm fine, but my hormones are messed up. Right. If your hormones are not healthy, then your whole body is not healthy. So
1: what... um and 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 women, you know, need to hear this. So when you say that your hormones are not healthy, what kinds of symptoms might women be experiencing if their hormones are out of balance um, due to all of these endocrine disruptors that are we're being exposed to in our life?
2: Well, I'd say one of the first things that happens is you can have severe premenstrual syndrome where you're maybe fine the first half of your cycle. But as you begin to ovulate, you can just feel like you want to die or kill somebody. That's one of them. The other symptom is you can have you know irregular ovulation. Okay. You can have amenorrhea or you not get your period. Or you can have periods that last for two weeks where you're gushing blood and, and you have to change your pad or tampon every 30 minutes. Right. I mean, there's so many, you know, signs and symptoms of the continuum. Now, when you go to your regular gynecologist, you will be given the birth control pill, which for me is like putting Band-Aid over gangrene. Because instead of deep and looking at what's happening, doing a Dutch hormonal test, and finding out where we're not matching with our hormones, we're putting more hormones in our body, which are further disrupting our pituitary gland. And then when women come to see me, having been on the birth control pill for years, we have a lot of repair
1: to do. Right, right. And um, another thing that I've seen in my research too is not just the effect on the cycle on the emotions like you talked about when you're in extreme pain with the cramping, but also the um, early onset of puberty um, with these endocrine disrupting you know, products in the home. Are you, do you see that? Are you dealing more with women that are older um, What are you seeing in your practice?
2: Uh, I think young girls are getting their periods at a younger age, much younger age. And I think that's due to not just the estrogen or the hormone disruptors or toxins, but it's also due to the fact that uh, the standard American diet is SAD. It stands for SAD, standard American diet. It's also dangerous. Because um, the amount of red meat that women are eating, girls are eating that have hormones in them, the level of sugar and simple carbohydrates that people eat, The, the standard American diet of cereal and milk has nothing to do with what our body needs in the morning. And it has everything to do with the advertising company and the products spending billions of dollars convincing you that that's what you should eat. And unfortunately, a lot of people buy into that, like, you know, those little frozen things that you stick in the freezer that you then stick in the, um, that pop-up. Yes. You know, you toast them (laughs) and they pop up and there's, you might as well be eating like sugar on cardboard. Right. So those... There are people who eat like that. And if you eat like that, you're not providing your cells and your mitochondria in your body with any of the nutrients that um, they need. So it's sort of like asking your car to run without gas and be upset that it's not moving because it doesn't have any gas in the tank.
1: Right. So what I'm hearing from you, um, Dr. Laurie, is, is we've got you know, we're, we're being bombarded with hormone mimicking things uh, within our homes, you know, through fragrance. We're dealing with it through the foods that we're eating because they're, you know, the meats are just uh, hormone, what do I want to say, injected. Driven. Yes. Injected. You know that, and and I know through my research that we find it in our lunch meats. We find it in all of our poultry, oh, yes. our beef, our you know it's it's all out there. Um, so, what other ways are we exposed to these hormone disrupting products? Are and I know you don't want to talk about the actual products, but I know there is there any other way and and look at what this is doing to us women.
2: Well, I think the first thing we need to do as women is to really take back our buying power Yes, because you do not need to be a victim to advertising and you can put your health where your pocketbook is. And that's where it starts. For example, Stop buying over the counter beauty products and really go to the health food store or your, I know in where I live, there's a lot of local people who really do eco quality beauty products and body products and creams and hair stuff. Put your money into these local people who are really eco conscious and you can't, you know, if you go to the local pharmacy and buy your, hair products there, you are not going to get eco products. You're going to get a jar filled with chemicals. Right. And the soap that we use to wash our body, the body washes are filled with estrogen disruptors and chemicals. They're washing your body. It's a medium to put toxins in your body because you're in the shower and your skin is uh, exposed and your pores are open from the hot water and then you're using this body wash, which is filled with chemicals. And it's like, okay, here I am. Just put chemicals in my system. I'm happy. And (laughs) so that's one thing about taking power over our control over, you know, what we spend our money on for our body products and personal care products. And then if you're going to eat red meat, don't, you know, just make sure it's farm to table, organic red meat, farm to table, the same with the chicken, and lunch meats prepared that we may have been brought up on them, but if they're made with nitrates and nitrotes, they are filled with toxins. Mm. And there is research in PubMed that shows not only are they estrogen disruptors, but they also can be one of the contributing causes to cancer. So I think these little simple things that we can make changes for. Make a really big difference, and right. you know when you wash your laundry and you're using those dryer sheets. You mm. then, you know, you come out of the shower and your pores are open, and you're wrapping yourself in a towel that was dried in it. It's like, okay, here's more estrogen disruptors. I'm just going to rub that all over my body. So we we need
1: to, you know, you don't need to use dryer sheets when you dry your clothes. No, no. And there's there's so many better options if you want to have it. Scented, you want a, a fragrance in there. There are non synthetic ways to do that that aren't going to cause problems for your body. So, boy, this whole last little segment there, you listed off so many different things that are just a continuum and bombarding our bodies and making us unhealthy. And we talked about different ways that when our hormones are out of balance, you know, what we can experience physically. And I know we're going to go into another topic here, but I want to talk to you about the emotional toll this is all having on us, um, and and what we can do with that. Because I know you you like to treat um, in integrative health, isn't it like a, a hub with a wheel, you know, and spokes? And so we exactly. want to treat treat the person as a whole. Let's talk more about that because there's more than just the physical body.
2: I love talking about the emotions of illness because if in my practice, people come to see me having seen a lot of other practitioners mm-hmm. and they're still not feeling well. And so often I find that the missing piece that nobody has talked about is what is your disease emotionally saying to you? And if we were to have a conversation with your illness, what messages would it be giving you? And that is, you know, people say, well, you're, you're doing therapy. It's not therapy. It's about integrative health and recovery. So we need to begin to bring in the emotions. And I think the more traumatic the event is that hasn't been processed in your psyche and your emotions, the more intense the illness then responds. And it could be years later. Right. I mean, I had a woman say to me, Oh, it couldn't have been that. That happened, you know, 15 years later. That wasn't a big deal. But the reality of it was it was a big deal. And our society doesn't really have a framework for incorporating
1: and dealing with trauma when it happens. And So are you telling me that trauma that you might experience as a child is affecting and bringing about the disease that you're experiencing later on in life as an adult woman? Oh, absolutely. One plus one equals two.
2: And uh, it, it may not be a linear path to figure this out. Sometimes you have to really begin to take off the top layers to get to the bottom of what this illness is about. And that can be anything from polycystic ovarian syndrome to an eating disorder to, and fertility difficulties to breast cancer. I mean, it's not one thing. Everybody's
1: story is different. Yep. It's kind of like the perfect storm. So we, you know, we have these bodies that, um, do you believe that, that for instance, cancer is, Within everybody's body, and it's whether you you create that perfect storm to, to quote turn it on uh well,
2: cancer is becoming more and more prevalent in our society, and I think there's a linear increase as we become more a, a more toxin driven and chemical driven society right environmentally in addition and as well as our food and what we're exposed to uh I think. In the women that I work who have breast cancer, when you really delve in, there's always been some level of dysbiosis in their psyche or unhappiness or trauma. It's one or the other okay. where they're in a job that they're being abused. That okay. was recently I saw a woman where she had a boss who was extremely abusive and she felt trapped and uh, unconsciously when she got breast cancer, it was a way for her to get out of her job. Now, notice the phrase unconscious. She didn't give herself breast cancer. She right. had a genetic or a genomic predisposition to this. And that's one thing I really want to make sure that women understand that when you develop breast cancer, it's not like you're responsible for giving yourself this disease. It's There's no blame there. It's one in eight women will end up with a breast cancer diagnosis. And this year, 330,000 new cases were that, diagnosed. Those
1: numbers just boggle my mind. And I believe those numbers are coming even down further. And and then when you add into it the numbers of people who have chronic disease, uh, they're they're going in the wrong direction. Yeah,
2: they're going in the wrong direction. I think that's... Yes, Uh, chronic disease is a whole nother story. If you want to start adding autoimmune and fibromyalgia and... Mm scleroderma and multiple sclerosis. I mean, that that's Hashimoto's. a whole nother, yeah, Hashimoto's, that's a whole nother, we get into another huge numbers, but. That's
1: another episode. Yes. <laughs> because, but, you know, there's, I think there's some tie-ins with all of it. Um, you know, obviously my opinion is that you can't get to renewed health without removing toxins. You just can't. Um, we have to remove those, whether they are physical, environmental, or whether they're emotional. I think you know there's a whole combination there, and like you said, as a as a as a society, um, we really are exposed to so much more than what we once were. I th- I love your phrase of
2: we can't get to renewed health unless we remove toxins and it's not just physical toxins. It's also toxic relationships, codependent you know, dependent relationships, relationships in which you're giving too much and you're not getting anything back or people aren't mistreating you and not respecting you and not listening to you. Uh, one of the things that I always encourage women to do is to really do a relationship inventory of their, not just their family, but also of their friends. And, right. you know, How are the scales tipping here, ladies?
1: Right. Are you one
2: of those women who say yes to everything, and then when you ask for help, nobody's available? I mean, how are your boundaries about taking care of yourself and saying no? Sometimes... Lots of women used to say, nope, can't do that. <laughs>
1: Thank you anyway. Oh, and, and this time of year, and I wasn't trying to be rude. I was looking up an app that I have on my phone um, called Feelings, and it's by Carol Truman. Have you read no. any of her stuff? So Carol with a K. is called Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. Wow. And she really talks about things that she actually dives more into how... You bring things in even prior to birth, uh, you know, from generation to generation and how these affect you. But the app on the phone, if you're experiencing a physical symptom, then you can look up on the app and see what emotion... Might be behind that physical symptom, and if I'm hearing you correctly, I think you really align with that that if we can treat the emotion, we can certainly treat the physical symptom that's happening.
2: Well, it goes hand in hand okay. emo- tr- you know addressing the emotional component of illness goes hand in hand with dealing with the metabolic dysbiosis that's creating the driving factors that are creating the illness, whether it's fertility problems or female hormonal problems or breast cancer or chronic fatigue, it's, it's all the same. Right. You need to find out where are the toxins and remove the toxins. Then you need to address the health of the gut, the health of the body, the health of the mind, and the health of the spirit. And they all have to be addressed for in order to really recover your health. But I wanted to bring up something, go back quickly to what you said, which is past generations can bring forward disease. And that is a concept that we have in homeopathy. And I am a homeopathic practitioner. Okay. And that's called a miasm of disease, M I A S M. Okay. And the belief is that certain illnesses have energetic components to them. Okay. So, uh, for example, uh, Syphilis and gonorrhea have energetic components to them. So your great-grandparents could have had this disease. And in those days, it wasn't that uncommon because now we have antibiotics, but in those days we didn't. And so your parents are fine, but then you come out and later in life, you don't have any biological presence of the disease. But if a homeopath were to take your case... He or she would realize that you need one of these miasmatic remedies. And so that's a very interesting concept that the energy from past generations does come forward.
1: I I love it. And and I can dive into that kind of uh, thing. So I I would, you know, take you up on another <laughs> another episode to talk about emotions. But sure. one of the things that you were talking about. And I think it's, well, we're not going to air it this time of year. I keep forgetting. But any time of year, you talked about setting boundaries. You talked about, you know, as part of your practice is, is dealing with the spiritual mind and the emotional, you know, so how, how do women go about, because I think there's some women who just feel the need to always say yes. They always are the givers They and they don't want to do the the self-care for themselves. So what steps would you give to say here, try this. I think that
2: uh, always saying yes comes from feelings of lack, positive self-esteem, and feelings of lack of self-value. That's interesting. And, and I think the first thing that a woman needs to do, and I don't know what comes first, the chicken or the egg, is, <laughs> but you have to start saying no. Yes, and you have to realize yes, right? And you have to realize that when you say no. It's going to be really interesting if you can step back and see who gets angry with you. Because here's the deal. If you, somebody asks you to do something and you say, I'm sorry, I can't, or you don't even have to say, I'm sorry. You have to say, I, can't, I don't have time or right. not available. And that person gets angry or pissed off, then they're not asking, they're demanding. Ah, uh, great. And that's a big distinction. Yes. Because- you're not their servant. (laughs) And I say, start saying no. I mean, make a list. Let's get concrete. Make a list of everything you say yes to and realize that all of those yeses for other people are robbing you of time that you need to recover your health, Right to make your healing smoothie, to take your supplements, to meditate, to go to yoga class, to uh, spend another quality time with your kids where not everyone is on social media and not paying attention to each other, to really make some changes in your own life. So those yeses
1: are robbing you of health and a future. Right. I always say that every time you say no to someone else, you're saying yes to yourself. Good phrase. Absolutely. Totally. I love that. Okay, so let's get back into hormones. We were talking about fertility. We were talking about things that were kind of disrupting the hormones. And what we find are, my research says, you're you're the expert in this field, that many women who specifically have breast cancer, they're finding these endocrine disruptors in the cancer cells Mm -hmm. of the breast cancer. Is that what you're finding too? Well... That's talking about whether the breast
2: cancer is hormone positive or hormone negative. Okay. And if something, if a cancer is hormone positive, ER, estrogen, or PR, progesterone positive, that means that those hormones are elevated and estrogen drives cell growth. Okay. So that's one of the, you can have estrogen receptor positive breast cancer. You can also have estrogen uh, and or progesterone negative breast cancer. And in the medical oncology world, those diagnoses are treated with different types of chemotherapy. And in my clinical practice as a complementary uh, practitioner who works with your medical oncology care, um, your hormonal status and where you are in your treatment And also several other genomic factors that we get from your pathology report and maybe some advanced genomic and genetic testing that helps me know how to put together an individual protocol for you that works with your medical oncology during, after, and into preventing recurrence.
1: Right. Well, and I think the the important thing here first of all, I just learned something new. I had no idea that there were two different types of breast cancer is that. So there's just the two different types uh positive and negative or
2: no. Well, there's estrogen, there's hormonally positive or hormonally negative. Okay. Then there's HER2 positive or HER2 negative, and that is the gross chapter heading. But within this is one of the misnomers, I think. There's not just two or four different types of breast cancer because when you dig deeper into the genetic and the genomic driving factors of a woman's breast cancer, even if two women have exactly the same hormonal status and the HER2 status, one could have a KI-67 that's more elevated. One could have a KI-67 that is very low and that's just one of the genetic factors that we look at now okay. at ki67 it should be part of the regular pathology report but they put a special stain on the cells and they count how many are in the s phase of mitosis or division okay and the more you have that are in that phase that are actively dividing that is an indication of how aggressively growing your breast cancer is, okay so a higher number of ki sixty seven means you have more cells actively dividing or growing, and we you know that then indicates maybe a more aggressive can- chemotherapy, and it also helps me know where I need to go with my nutrition and my targeted supplementation so there's many, many different types of breast cancer because we have to take into consideration all these other little genomic and genetic factors that are creating an individual woman's breast cancer.
1: Right. Well, and, and what a, what a blessing to be able to dig into that to have a success, you know, with treating your cancer, because as you said earlier, one in eight women are going to have cancer, breast cancer. And, um, like I said, I think those numbers are coming down. I think it's it's more than that. And so when we can compound that, you know, if you choose to go the route of chemotherapy and radiation, um, which I know you've got some information on that too, that not all some is it some can you know some are better served by chemotherapy and radiation than some not, or what are your opinions on that? Oh difficult topic. <laughs> it um, is. it really depends. Difficult questions.
2: <laughs> it really depends on your diagnosis. For example, if you have DCIS and you get an oncotype breast cancer recurrence test, which mm-hmm. any woman who has DCIS should get, and you come back with a very low score, then that's an indication that in my opinion, and you know, I don't have somebody's all their information in front of me, but given that if it was a very non-aggressive cancer and it was DCIS very beginning stage one, zero, everything, then I'd say, okay, you have, you're heading in a bad direction here, but Mm -hmm. we can use these complementary and integrative tools, clean up the toxins from your environment, deal with your emotions and really put you on a very clean diet with powerful targeted antioxidant, Supplementation and let's see what happens in six months. Okay. But if you have a large tumor and it's not DCIS, it comes up, you know, triple negative or ER positive or whatever, I mean, then that is a different story. And there are women who choose not to do chemo or radiation Mm -hmm. or they go to a clinic in Mexico or Europe. And I think that. If you can afford that and you have the right mindset, then that's a very individual decision, which I would
1: wholeheartedly support. Right. Well, and it's kind of not fair to ask that question of a doctor, you know, and say, hey, what say you here? Because it really, truly is an individualized choice of, you know, what are you going to do? Because as a woman, we know our body best you know, we know what, how our body feels and, and we have to make those choices that are best for us. Would, would you agree with that? Well, yes.
2: And the, one of the things that really is upsetting to me is that if you need your car fixed or if you have a dental problem, you go to the dentist or you bring your car to the mechanic. But because of the enormous amount of information on the internet, some women with breast cancer just feel like they can do research and put together their own protocols. And I think that that is a misnomer because people such as myself study for like, I've been doing this for 35 years. I mean, it is a very complex thing to know how to work with somebody's body and paying attention to not only the physical, physical clues, but what's showing up in your blood work and how do you, do you create a cytotoxic week and then you go to a restorative week? I mean,
0: most women,
2: it's very complicated. And even if you're doing standard allopathic care, there are ways that we can support your body. For example, there's different protocols when you're receiving chemo or radiation versus when you're in the recovery phase or, you're wanting to make your body inhospitable to regrowth and we're addressing the tumor microenvironment. Sure. So it's it's a complicated, but right. if women don't want to do standard allopathic care and they have the means to seek alternatives outside of the box, mm-hmm. I can I have referrals for that. And yes. I refer women to either Europe or um, a clinic in Mexico which I have researched and believe that they really know what they're doing. So that's the other thing. You have to be careful that you are with people who have many years of success and experience.
1: Well, and that's important because you're talking life and death here you're talking yeah. you know renewed health or not, and so I think sometimes the information highway is is too much and and I know I hear all the time when i'm working with people is they just don't know where to go there's so many there's information pro this against this it, you know what what's right, what's wrong. Um, I want to talk and get back into one of the things that you talk about with breast cancer specifically um well before we go to the end i want to go to the beginning i know that you know self breast exams are one great way of you know diagnosing yourself and i just had a class on thermography mm-hmm. and i want to know what your intake is on our intake uh, <laughs> what your what, thoughts are on thoughts. thermography
2: yeah I think thermography is uh, one of the excellent ways of using getting diagnosis. And if you know, there are potential side effects of getting a mammogram or an MRI, and some women do not want that. So if that's what you're going to do is thermography and self breast exams, then you should get a baseline thermogram and just have that as a baseline. So if anything shows up, then you can then you can know where you are, and then you can decide if
1: you want a mammogram or an ultrasound or right. an MRI. Right, and I think most of the time the doctors are going to recommend if they see something on the thermog uh, the thermogram, they're going to say we ref- we you know we refer you to go see this person or have this additional testing done uh, type of thing with that. But it was really interesting to me me on thermograms is that they can detect things in our body years before you're able to actually see a spot Mm -hmm. through a traditional mammography. Yes, that's true. Oh, I just love having options, right? So now let's get into, I love talking about that. Let's create a body that is not a hospitable host for cancer. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us more about what you mean with that? It's. I think it's a wonderful
2: concept. And too often uh, I see on the internet where women have... You know, they have photos. I'm finished treatment, I'm ringing the bell. (laughs) Or I'm cancer free, I have no evidence of disease. So here's the deal absolutely, you may know, you may have no evidence of disease, meaning the initial medical treatment took away the tumor burden. But cancer is a metabolic disease. And there are things called circulating tumor cells and stem cells. And so we want to not just go in there with like a hammer in a China shop and attack the tumor. Right. We also, I don't think we should be at war with cancer. I mean, it's not a war because who are we at war with ourselves? I think there needs to be a more feminine, all-inclusive approach, which is how I support this and promote this in my program and my practice and my online community. But we want to address the tumor microenvironment to make it like the cancer stem cells or the cancer circulating tumor cells go well i think i'm going to like put down a little satellite here and they try to and they go oh this environment it doesn't feel good there's no place for me to grow and we do that by first a very easy thing making sure your body is basic as opposed to alkaline okay. because an acid environment is more inflammatory whereas a basic environment is healthier. And you can easily do that by checking your urine pH in the morning and you get these pH strips from Mm -hmm. over the counter at your local drugstore. And then we want to also promote an inhospitable environment through eating a very specific diet, one that is very different from the standard American diet. And the further away you go from that, the healthier you are. Sure. And sometimes women and men can't just go from eating cereal and milk and bologna and white bread and fried takeout food for dinner to where they need to be. So it has to happen gradually sometimes. I mean, right. so you can't like have a hundred percent changes in a week. It's, and then we <laughs> add supplements, right? We add a lot of antioxidants. So we want to support the health of the cells we want to find out if there are any genomic factors that we can then really attend to with targeted nutrition.
1: Right. Well, and I love that you talk about, you know, you, you've kind of gone the realm with this and creating that, that, um, We want to create a toxic environment for the cancer. You know, I I love that. Um, I'm a perfect example of food and not being able, you know, six years ago, I changed my environmental toxins and that's still a work in progress Mm -hmm. even, but the majority of it is gone. And, but food, oh my word, that is a hard one for me. And I just finished a 72 hour fast. Oh, and then great. going into a vegetarian lifestyle here for ninety days. Um, I always say ninety days because I can handle that. <laughs> Good. but, um, but it, I can't imagine um, having to you know go from point A to point B, and and I think that's the key for the supplementation when when we just we just know. You know don't they say something like twenty two percent of people in our society don't eat correctly. No, oh, I think it's worse than that. Is it worse than that? No, yeah. I had it backwards. twenty two percent do eat yeah. a good healthy diet, so it's mm-hmm. it's seventy eight percent don't. And so that's where good supplementation comes in to give our bodies the minerals and the and the enzymes and the nutrients and the antioxidants that it needs because we're not getting it from our food source. Yeah, I just talked to
2: a woman today, this morning, who is buying her supplements from Kroger's, which is, you know, I smirk. like, like <laughs> I a know. safe way. It's the supermarket. And I said to her, honey, um, you are just wasting your money. It's so this is a very important concept. Um, not all supplements are made to pharmaceutical quality standards. So if you have a metabolic disease, whether it's Fertility or polycystic ovarian syndrome or irregular periods or breast cancer, where it's all a continuum, or fibromyalgia or Hashimoto's, you can't take supplements that you buy from the local grocery or the pharmacy and think that you're getting anything in them. So they need to be made to pharmaceutical quality standards. And there are certain companies that I've spent my time researching where I recommend them. And I know that these companies have research and development facilities. They have, they can track every little product that's in every little bottle. They have right. papers, they have quality control. I mean, I've been to one of these companies where it was like making drugs. The environment was sterile. You had to put on a white suit with a, right. I mean, it was intense. Right. So.
1: Well, and, and that that's going to lead us into kind of concluding this all up. Um, Dr. Laurie is... You know, I think the biggest takeaway for my listeners is you know number 1 is you you have to be able to get with somebody that you trust that you know is going is there for your better good and and going to help you so i want to go back to some ways that people can connect with you because you are just a wealth of information and we've only scratched the surface here today but i have um, a website the com, that people can connect with you and i think you you talk about a program And I think that's through this website that they can get. Is that true?
2: Yes. Um, There's such a demand for what I do in my clinical practice that I created this online program. And I have women from all over the world, like Malta and New Zealand and Australia. I mean, and if they speak English, there's some women from Europe. So there's hundreds of women who are using this as a guideline to provide some protocols and strategy to take some of the chaos from being a Dr. Google and researching. And because you can go on Dr. Google and then still say, okay, now what do I do? Right. So the path of breast cancer follows a woman. It's meant to complement her standard medical oncology care. It's not in place of, it's in addition. It takes two to tango. It takes both to be healthy and to make it through chemotherapy radiation with less side effects and then go on to recover your health and then go on to prevent recurrence so those are the three modules treatment recovery and preventing recurrence right and within each module we have science it's there's references and there's science backed protocols and there's meditations and there's ebooks on how to eat and what supplements to take so It's very comprehensive and women who have purchased the program, I get a lot of positive feedback about, thank you for creating this. It's given me like some platform of where I can proceed and
1: what I can do. Sure, and and so important, and and listeners, you can. I know you're not seeing this part of it because we're audio. There is some video that that is taken, but Dr. Lori is so passionate, and I can just see it in her face as she's sharing what it is that she's created because of the overwhelming need out there. Um, I just absolutely love it, and for our listeners, she's got a free healthy hormone guide, and where can our our listeners pick that up well i think that we should
2: put the link somewhere on your podcast but it's yep. if you go to um carollaurie.com which is my practice website and you go to downloads
1: that the uh, the free guide is there Okay. And, and know that Lori is L O U R I E so that, you know, you get that right. And it'll be in the show notes. So people can grab that from the show notes, but I want people to hear it too, because a lot of times they're listening while they're in their car or exercising Mm -hmm. type of thing. So, um, Dr. Lori, is there anything that we didn't get into that you would like to, to bring out before we close the interview? Uh,
2: I, I want to say that one of the things I notice is that we as uh, women are always very hard on ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, And there's this inner little voice that goes, I didn't do this good enough, or I wish I'd been able to do that, or I only did five things today and I had 12 things on my list. And so there's always this driving factor, especially if you work outside of the home. Notice I say work outside of the home because- if you work and you don't work outside of the home, you're working inside of the home. So yes, you it's, are. it's you know both are important. Um, and I want to encourage women to just become aware of this negative little voice, this talk voice, which puts you down. Which you look in the mirror and you go, "Oh, I'm too fat," or "I don't, I'm too old. I have too many wrinkles." This doesn't, you know, whatever. I'm not young. I'm not tall. It's like whatever it is. It's like tell it to take a hike. Right. And then replace those negative thoughts and that negative self talk with, you know, you look really nice today. Or you may not be feeling so great, and you had a bad morning. But let's, you know, let's give it a good old shot for what the afternoon is going to be. Or take a breath and change your energy and have a little gratitude uh, for just being able to look out at the sky. And so there's a lot of inner negativity. I I see that. Too often, and we all need a little bit more self love, and that's what I would like to end with.
1: I love that, that um, you know, because those are toxic thoughts for us and they create that negative energy inside our bodies. Dr. Lori, thank you so much for coming on. You have given us so much information to be able to add to our little toolboxes of really leave, live, living a renewed life
0: and renewed health. So, thank you. It's been
2: my pleasure to speak with you.
0: That's all for this episode of The Toxin Terminator. And we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health. If you're looking to continue your journey towards full rejuvenation, reach out to Amy directly by visiting amycarlson.com for your own one-on-one chat session, as well as your free toxic risk assessment. That's A-I-M-E-E carlson.com. And remember, you are just one small change away from renewed health.